0: There's nothing wrong with adapting if you stick to your values, if you don't have to change who you are to adapt. I think that when you start to adapt to be someone who you're not, then something is wrong. And then you have to either take yourself out of that situation or confront that situation because you can never be your best self when you're being someone else.
1: Hey sis, welcome to The Growth Season with BWP and PNG. Today's conversation is the second part of a two part discussion on leadership with three black women who have led and excelled across the world. We're joined again by Chisholm Obiora, a Global Human Resources Director at PNG, Vidette Ajololo, founder of Sorted Chalet, and Dr. Anne Kasioka Huber, a Senior Research and Development Scientist at PNG. Have a listen to part one if you haven't already. And join us back here for the rest of this conversation on leadership.
2: So, Anne, my question for you now is,
1: if you had to explain leadership
2: or situational leadership in three words, three words, Anne, not more than three words, (laughs) (laughs) what would you choose and why?
3: Okay, three words. So I think what's come up a lot um, is vision, so that would be my word number one is you you have to know where you're going because otherwise you don't know what you're doing and why you're doing it and it's very difficult to figure out how you're going to get there if you don't even know where you want to go so. Um, and vision also enables you to inspire others because they can see you know beyond the wall or towards the lighthouse as Chisholm put it earlier Um, and that is sort of the beacon that is where you want to end up and with the vision also comes a sense of purpose so um, that would be my number one word I think the second one is adaptability so especially if you're talking about situational leadership you need to be able to adapt to the conditions at hand to the environment around you and especially to the people that you are either working with or that you want to serve like if you look at the uh, black single mothers projects these are you have an audience that you want to serve that you want to um support and that you want to show that it's not just all the negative stuff that you see if you look online there's actually a lot of inspirational stories that come from single mothers from black single mothers and you know you want to put that out there so in order to do that you need to work with other people you need to adapt with them uh, adapt to them um and you need to be able to take them along and different people you know we all have our different quirks and the different way of seeing things with different cultures so being able to adapt to that and bring out the best in them, and ultimately then the best in you and for the project, that I think is really really important. Um, number three would be communication. I think you can have a vision, but if you're not able to communicate that effectively, how are you going to get people on board with you, or how are you going to be able to bring that to life um, in the best possible way if you can't get it across? So. Uh, and also you know in working with others um, you need to be able to communicate effectively so they truly get where you want to head they can communicate back to you what works for them what would help them um maybe point out things that they think isn't working in the way that you want to do it or you want to approach it so that you can then again adapt and um, make the best out of it so those would be my three words vision communication adaptability um, Cheers. I'm keen to hear which three words would explain leadership or situational leadership to you.
0: Thanks. And first, I love the choice of the three words that you've um, you've used. I'd build off the word adaptability that you shared, and maybe the spin I would add to that would be tailor made. You know, customized. And I think for me, that comes. That means. That with situational leadership you need to recognize that because it's situational it really would look different for different people right so you need to be able to customize it for the recipient or for the audience or for the situation in itself so just knowing that leadership could look different i mean this in no way means that your values change or You know what's important for you as a leader but just how you bring that on and how you communicate that and how you enroll people and how you engage people just could look different and and yeah so i think my first word would be you know tailor-made or customized the second one i would go with would be time bound because also i think when i think situational leadership it's the recognition that with time things kind of evolve right so also being able to recognize that the time when the next change or the next shift or you know the next pivot needs to happen is critical because even with managing people i would say you know sometimes you see that people have grown beyond kind of like the style that you had and you kind of need to adapt your style now to lead lead them in a different way right so so i think there's a a big time bound element to that and critical for every leader to recognize when that happens and when that next phase is needed the last word i would go with would be i'll go with accepting i wish i could find a better word for this but i'll use the word accepting and in a way that also means trust right but it's just accepting that (laughs) as a leader sometimes the outcome that you want may not necessarily be the outcome that you get right but focusing on you know the main vision and the objective and then recognizing that this could play itself out in many different ways because you're dealing with many different people and this could look very different and you are even different from probably when you started the project to where you are just based on the things that you've learned right so just learning to accept you know, and grow with the process, I think for me would be another word that comes to mind when I think leadership or situational leadership. Vidette, can you share what comes to mind for you? What three words come to mind when you think leadership or situational leadership?
2: So I'm going to make my three words a sentence because this this sentence has stuck out to me. So I think it's reduction of ego. And I say, I say those three words in a sentence because I I think, I, I honestly just think that that captures what leadership means because when you're a leader, it's easy to experience moments of power trip. And in order to work with people, your ego needs to not be in the picture at all. But simultaneously, you need to know when to stamp your authority. I feel like if you reduce your ego 90% of the time, you don't need to stamp your authority because they know they have respect for you and they have respect for how you, you push. And I think most of the issues that stem out of a result of um, bad leadership is as a result of an increased ego. So when we see leaders who are leading the world to destruction in their their countries as a result of COVID-19, um, you normally will find that Most of them just didn't... They had too much ego to listen to the advisors to believe that COVID-19 could be a big situation and could be very detrimental to their countries. Um, Most of them have too much ego to accept that this is something that can affect them um, in their countries. And I think ego is often the reason why leaders fail. So for me, when I think about what leadership is, I think it is the reduction of ego. Yeah. On that note, um, Anne, um, what core values did you have to step into to become a leader?
3: So I think there is there is a ton and I'm going to try and stick to um, not too many like before with the three words. Um, so I think one is, and I'm going back to communication, um, I guess also transparency that comes with it is, you know, you need to be clear what you're doing and why you're doing that and that's irrespective of whether you're leading a team or you're leading yourself you know Um, and I guess a bit of vision comes into that as well so why are you doing this where do you want to head and then you're being very transparent in this is what I want to do and why I want to do it so that people are on board with that or that you at the very least are clear with that and that will also help you to you know others to point out any issues or um, to your point, when you were talking about reduction of ego, and I love that sentence as well is um, leaders that are not listening to um, the expert's opinion. Like if you look at the COVID that sort of ignoring the facts more or less, or not truly listening to others. So I think and and listening is probably the most important piece of communication. so, I think that would be one key value is that you communicate transparently. being accountable um, is another one, you know, especially if you get it wrong or you make a mistake, um, this is your project, or this is your team, and you need to stand behind that um, and you need to also step up and have other people's backs um. And that goes back to something we talked about much earlier when I think both of you mentioned having the trust in others. So, you know, you trust them to do it and to do it well. You also place a trust in them and tell them that, you know, it's okay to make mistakes, we all do. And I've got your back on this. Um, so a mistake will help you learn, will help you grow, will help you do it better the next time. So that's that's fine. And having, you know, standing up and being accountable for that um, and empowerment. I mean, this goes also back to trust and, you know, letting people be themselves. But it's it's also Empowering yourself or being empowered yourself, um, how in you enabling yourself, um, how you know, enabling others. And if needed, you know, get the help, um, get the skills that you need or ask for the support that you need, and that will get you to a more powerful situation for yourself. I think those are the core ones. Um, what about you, Chisholm? What are your core values um, you had to step into to become a leader?
0: um yeah no like you i I probably have a ton but if i had to settle for I'll, i'll go with three i think the first one is one that you mentioned already which is trust and i think for me if i had to pick just one this would be probably the foundation of it all for me and that's just trusting that you know everyone has the right intentions everyone is putting in their best effort everyone is working in the interest of everyone. And, you know, just, and I think if I had to go back a bit to where I think for me, this value comes from, it definitely comes from growing up with my, my dad in particular is one who talked a lot about trust. And just, you know, he always explained you know, like as a little child, when you go complain, oh, this person did that, he will always say, you know, you need to, you need to realize that at the end of the day, you know, they are your siblings, they love you, they want what's best for you. And so that has to be the lens through which you see everything. And I think what that did for me was just when you know that at the heart of it is the love and the support. Then that kind of then that gives you a reason to say okay then why must this person have done why did this happen or why did that happen and and coming at it from a place of it must have come out of good as opposed to just having a default mode of a lack of trust so so yeah so for that reason trust is very important for me as a value and in the same way I find that in a in a in a situation or in an environment where I easily sense that there is a lack of trust. I struggle to thrive there. And and normally my style would be to confront that because I feel like that is the foundation for which anything needs to work. So trust would be one. The second one is just this concept of, you know, one team, one dream. And <laughs> I know maybe that's a bit of a cliche again, but I really believe that when you work with people, even if they are not in your direct team, even if they're in a bigger team, right? eventually we're all competing or we're all striving for the same results. Like if we ladder it up to the highest of it, right? And so just knowing that we're all in it for the same reason means that we need to support each other in whichever way we can. So, you know, I've always been very competitive. And I think that I had my fair share of competing, you know, either in sports or in class trying to be the best and all that. But, I, but with that, I've never lost sight that you, you always are better when you go together, as opposed to when you kind of want to keep it all for yourself and, and not share. So for me, that's also a very big um, value that I, I, I treasure. And it's really the concept of one team and supporting each other and helping each other, even if you feel like ideally we should be competing, right? But knowing that when you help each other out, eventually that makes for the better of, of both of you, you know. So so yeah, maybe I actually would stop with those two <laughs> because I think those two sum up some of my key values well. Vidette, what core values have you had to step into to become a leader?
2: I would say um the first one would be unwavering belief in what you are doing. So in in a sense I think leadership especially when you're leading yourself or you're leading teams requires you to be a little bit delusional in a sense because you might you will face situations where your idea might come across as impossible or you might feel like as if you you're incapable of succeeding and in those situations you can rationalize yourself into paralysis or you can be very delusional and say this is going to work regardless and i think that's quite contrary to what i shared around the the ego thing and i think There's a fine line between the ego and also the just delusional belief and like the childlike faith. And it requires a certain level of wisdom to sort of navigate when actually, no, I'm wrong here. This is this is not working. But then there's also an element where you just need to be like, no, this is this is it. I believe it. And when you look at leaders like Elon Musk and um, um, Steve Jobs and the like, these are people with a level of delusional faith in what they're doing. And, And I think in leadership that you need that value to an extent um i also think the second thing is integrity i think it's very important to reach the point where you say we need to do the right thing we need to do the right thing for the people we're serving and we need to do the right thing for anyone who comes in contact with us because when you're in a position of leadership it means that you have access to information that people may not have you have access to knowledge that people may not have and it's very easy for you not to um Give people what they deserve um, if you're power tripping. So it's important to have integrity at the core of your values. You must be an, someone with integrity. You cannot, you cannot walk this earth without integrity because it will always come back to bite you. So I can't emphasize that enough. <clears throat> and I think the third value that I would, I would say um, from my side is patience you need to be patient to trust that the vision will happen. You need to be patient that your team will learn and they will grow. And you need to be patient that sort of your end goals will come to pass because sometimes it looks impossible. And when I think about when we did the Black Single Motherhood Project, when I think about when I led, um, you know, the UK's first implementation of open banking, these are times when we just thought, it's not going to happen there were times when i was like this is not mm -mm, this is not going to happen and then as much as i think i'm a leader and i'm often the first in sort of driving things forward i find that i always need people around me who are super like no of course it's going to happen let's push this go forward because those people really drive you so um i think the three things for me, and I could go on and on about different values, but the three things is, firstly, um, a delusional belief in what you're doing and that, you know, it's going to happen regardless. And then uh, the second thing I mentioned was around integrity, just being a very, very integrity, someone who's very, very integrity-driven because people will come to respect you in-, in a world where people are always looking for shortcuts. You need to be someone with integrity. And then, thirdly, the patience element. um and I think these things are very important. You, you, can't, you cannot be a leader. I wouldn't want to follow a leader without these three things. Actually, I like a bit of um, leadership that's a bit crazy and delusional and has a bit of insanity that thinks that everything is possible. In fact, um, the gentleman I mentioned earlier on who is my most inspirational leader, he was a bit delusional. He's a bit of um, a crazy one. But I, I really I like that because he was ready to die for what he believed in. And I think that that's very important.
0: Actually, that, while you um, shared those, thanks for sharing those three, I completely resonate with that as well. I think one other value came to mind for me that I'd just like to touch on quickly, and that is, I- I'll call it grit, because I think that's probably the way that a lot of us would recognize it um, most. And that is, I mean, just building on your last point of being patient is also the grit to, to go through, because a lot of times, you know, those those beautiful things that come out at the end come with lots of struggles and challenge and and you pretty much have to muster a lot of what you have to push through in many cases so just having that grit to you know pipe down when you need to pipe down take a deep breath when you need to take a deep breath but still go for it i think would definitely be one of my uh, i would like to highlight is definitely one of my core values and one that i I admire in people and I also think that is very critical to surviving in in a world as challenging as the world that we have today. So I'd just like to add that.
2: Completely agree, completely agree. I think um, that grit element is very very important and you need to be willing to go the extra mile because sometimes what you want won't, won't come, won't come immediately and you need to pat yourself on the back and say it's okay we'll get it later and we're still pressing on moving forward i
3: also think vedette that i I love that you mentioned integrity um and i think this is something that stuck out for me as well as the you know having the grit and the unwavering belief um is you know if you don't have integrity i don't think you can be a leader um or recognized as a leader I, I don't see how that can ever go together um, so I love that you mentioned that because I think this is absolutely essential um, for true leadership is that you have that integrity.
2: Roger that Roger that. maybe it's my finance background as well working in banking you can't you can't work in banking without integrity <laughs> that would be very scary so um, maybe that's why I consider it such a core value. Um, and you are an international lady. You have a vast range of international experience. Do you feel like you've ever had to adopt your leadership style for your audience? And do you think it's necessary yes. as a black woman?
3: So, yes, most definitely I have had to adapt um, my leadership style or even my style of working, depending on the audience. And I think, um, you know, the first time I realised that is when I'm German. Um, so when I went to the UK... And um, the way that people work in the UK, the culture is actually quite different to how we do in Germany. So, you know, if I want to move things along, um, if I want people to be on board with what I want to do and where I want to go, I need to adapt and I need to adapt my communication style and I need to adapt my working style that I get them on board so that they get me and they get what I want to do. And I mean they have to adapt to me to a certain extent as well i think it goes both ways it's not that one person has to completely you know adapt to the rest um and i think we all do a bit of that and to be effective we have to do a bit of that um and similarly you know i've worked in different institutions in in germany and each of them was quite unique and i think it's not just the country or um, where you are in terms of, you know, a nation. It's also the culture that an organization brings. Like so each organization has a very unique culture that is shaped by the people that are there, but it's also shaped by the nature of the work. And you have to be able to adapt to that to be effective and to lead effectively. Um and to your point on whether I think it was necessary to do so as a black woman, I don't think so. Um But then again, I had a conversation quite recently with a friend who was challenging me on that. And said, like, do you don't think it was necessary or do you not realize it anymore? Because we, when we were talking, we realized that I don't, I tend to take things very positively. So I always, um, I kind of always expect people do things with a good intent. Um, And I tend to like, some would say like, well, you're you're being way too understanding with somebody, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm just my assumption is always my base assumption is they mean well. So I, she was saying like, do you think you sometimes don't realise sort of the subtle cues or something? And I think there might be an element to that. Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It served me quite well because it saved me, I guess, from quite a bit of pain in in some cases because my assumption was always like, yeah, they mean well, or they didn't mean that in a in a bad way. Um, but I think for me, it was more adapting to different cultures in the sense of different um, countries and different working styles and organisations more than adapting because I am a black woman um, and adapting to a predominantly white um, environment or a predominantly white and male environment in some cases. So I think that that is actually very difficult to answer because my friend also pointed out that I can be a bit oblivious to some of the subtle cues and things going on there and it was like yeah I can be also a bit single-minded if I'm if I want to go somewhere that I will you know sort of navigate that um and because I've been doing it since I was little I sometimes don't even realize how much I'm adapting and realize why I'm doing it I just read the situation think like okay maybe i need to approach this a different way and it happens without me even being really conscious of it um i hope that answers um your question vidette and i'm wondering um Chism, how was it for you um so do you feel you had to adapt and did you feel that you had to adapt possibly more because you're a black woman
0: yeah <clears throat> it is a difficult question to answer i i must say and actually i, I pondered while you were talking on you know, your point on, is it adapting because I'm a Black woman or just adapting because the cultures are different? And I probably think it's a bit of both, right? I, I, I wouldn't eliminate the impact of being a Black woman or, said differently, being a minority, right? Because I think that what played a big role, and if I use the example of when I moved from Nigeria, to work here in Geneva. I mean, it's the same company. I, I I didn't switch companies. And in many ways, the values, the purpose, values, and principles of the company, it is exactly the same, regardless of where you find yourself. But I think what was interesting for me was just going from you know, an African culture, a Nigerian culture in a Nigerian office where we had predominantly Nigerians, to working in a more international um, headquarter office where we had more Europeans, I would say. There was lots of culture (laughs) differences. I think one of the earliest memories that come to mind for me was even just walking into the office, like in the Nigeria office, I would remember that, I mean, just right from the gate, you know, you're saying hi to the gate man or to the receptionist. You know, you're probably asking about her daughter because you know her daughter. And, you know, you get into the office, you're chit-chatting. I mean, some people just walking from the door to their desk probably make like five stops just chit-chatting up and down before. You know, it's a very jovial, fun, happy, everyone-knows-each-other kind of culture. And then, you know, I moved here where I remember the first day showing up <laughs> at, at work and being at the elevator, and then everyone just walks in and just, you know, either looks down at their phones or... I wasn't sure, like, should you say good morning? Should, like, don't they say hi to each other? You know, <laughs> I did. I did find that quite strange. And eventually, because I worked with an India, Middle Eastern African team, even though we were in the Geneva office, we still had that very IMEA culture that I described earlier, right? So you would always walk into our side of the office and there will be lots of noise, people chatting, Sitting on desks talking, you know, as opposed to using huddle rooms, and you'd see just the other side of the floor, very quiet, and people talking in very harsh voices, going into huddle rooms for even five-second discussions, you know. So, um, so yeah, I think just that culture part has a lot to in terms of how it influences you and helps you adapt or forces you to adapt. I think then being a, a black Nigerian girl that moved. I I had to adapt even more because I was one of two. We had two um, Nigerians on the team at that time. People were not used to working with Nigerians. Sometimes even down to the accent and trying to understand. You know, people would squint to try to make out what you're saying. So I I did find that I had to adapt adapt quite a bit to to feel like I was able to fit in. But the longer st- I stayed and the more networks that I formed the more comfortable i became and i guess the more people also got used to because they probably never had that experience for themselves so the more they got used to um working with me and but in all that i never found adapting as as being out of body or being uncomfortable or being unhappy with the adapt- adaptation that i had to make it was it was also for me part of my growth because i had to also learn to work with different people as they learned to work with me I would give one example, though, of when I found that I had to try to adapt my style, again, because I was a minority, and this time it didn't feel good, right, just because it was out of my values. And that's with, um, I started to do an MBA program, I won't say where, and I had to go in at some point to the school to have like this interaction with other students. And I remember being in a group that was, I mean, I was the only black female on that group and the 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 group was i mean i think hostile would be the word that i used to describe kind of like how i felt people never listened to me um people would speak over me you know i, I had to fight for like this is the first experience i had where I actually had to fight for my space to speak or say oh no i'm still talking can you <laughs> you know I, I i've heard of people have People who've had to do that, but this was for me the first time I had to do that myself. And at a point, I tried to, I tried a lot to adapt because I tried to not speak up as much. I tried to speak in a different tone, but at some point, I felt really uncomfortable because I, I could see then that I was going out of my values. I was trying to be someone that I was not, and that's why it didn't feel good. And eventually, I had to openly confront the team to be like, yeah, I realize for you that it's different. It's also different for me, by the way. So, but if we're gonna work together as a team, we need to learn to respect each other. And we had that open, very uncomfortable discussion, you know, with the team and, and at least the relationship got a little better from there. So, so yeah, so I think what I'd, I'd say just to summarize, cause I know I've said a lot is, I've had situations where I had to adapt. I think that being a black woman, played a big role there just because I was the minority. I think that if you found if I found myself where I wasn't the minority, then I, I even being a black woman wouldn't mean that I had to adapt. But just being in an international experience where I found myself as a minority meant that I had to adapt. But with that, I think there's nothing wrong with adapting if you stick to your values, if you don't have to change who you are to adapt. I think that when you start to adapt to be someone who you're not, then something is wrong. And then you have to either take yourself out of that situation or confront that situation because you can never be your best self when you're being someone else. So that's kind of like, I'll just put that out there as a food for thought for everyone. The depths. can you share what your experience has been adapting as a Black woman?
2: I've not had to adapt, I've had to leave. So in all countries I've lived in, so I've lived in the Netherlands, I've lived in Ghana and I've lived in Hong Kong and I've lived in the UK. Um, i I actually think that being a black woman and being and having my you know nuances that comes with my culture and um you know my race being a black woman and and the problems the the opportunities I actually think it's been a benefit to me um and i I have never felt like I had to adopt I just had to go in there and be myself and it's been beneficial to me in the one situation when I felt that I was going through some sort of discriminatory experience. I attempted to adopt and then I realized that you don't have to adopt, you actually have to leave because I am not in the business of, um, fighting people or changing systems that are, that are going to be impossible to change. So, um, I think sometimes you need to know what battles you should be fighting. And that battle was not a battle I was going to fight. Um, I knew that I had to take care of my mental health. I had to take on myself and I had to leave. Um, but in terms of, you know, my international experience working in banking in Hong Kong, the Netherlands for school and now coming to Ghana, I don't feel like I've had I've had to adapt. I've just had to walk in there myself. Um, and the one thing I try not to do when I walk into new places is identify myself purely by my race. Um, I think about my race a lot and it's probably at the forefront of my mind, but I also make a conscious effort to realise that um, to, to to remind myself that I am here because of everything else I bring to the table rather than my race. And if anything, I love being a black woman in these settings because I actually think that it adds, it gives you an advantage that some people don't have, quite frankly, um, in the sense that you know there might be p- you you are a little bit of an underdog because naturally um in the world you live in some people are looking down on you some people don't think what can come out of your mouth your mouth makes sense but then you go in there and you know you go in there with your pride and you go in there and you sit down on that table and you tell them everything that you know and you, you bring your best foot to the table um actually it's 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 nice to be the underdog because you ended up you end up outshining everyone else so for me even the challenges that come with being a Black person in an all-white world has been, in a sense, beneficial. I've been in, um, in Hong Kong in my, uh, my, work, my workspace at the time, I was the only Black person on the floor, probably one of four Black people in the whole, you know, Hong Kong office. Um, and, and for me, that in, in, in combination with my talent made me shine because it's one, I'm so easy to identify. And when I'm meeting people for a meeting, I'm like, oh, I'm the black girl with bald head. Um, You'll find me easily. And then, you know, when you're doing a good job, people can easily identify you. So I don't think I've had to adopt my leadership style in any setting because of being a black woman. I've had to adopt my leadership style because of the culture of that setting. So in Hong Kong, for instance, people don't enjoy having meetings at lunchtime. So as a leader, you cannot be putting meetings at lunchtime. It wasn't about me as a black woman, it was about their culture and respecting their culture and valuing their culture and making sure that people could see that you're giving effort and respect to their culture. But it never had to do with me as a black woman. And The one time where I thought it was it had, something about you know my race had to come into play, I didn't adopt. I tried to adopt, um, as I mentioned earlier, but I, I decided to leave. And I feel like um, black people um, and ethnic minorities generally need to know when it's time to leave. Um, sometimes it, it's not worth fighting and one of my white bosses said to me that you know the one thing I've realized about bad bosses is you don't you don't try and change bad bosses you leave um, and I think too many times we try to change bad bad organization and bad bosses sometimes it's not worth it sometimes it's better to leave
3: And I think that goes back to your point is pick your battles wisely right um that you can get really run down like um trying to fight something that is impossible, or at least, you know, is going to drain you completely. And, um, and I like how you, you said, you know, that in, in some case, maybe I don't need to adapt, and maybe I can use it to my advantage, um, and actually, you know, be who I am, and have that work for me that I'm not going to adapt. And that's, uh, it's definitely something I'm going to take along from this conversation.
2: Yeah, I think that sometimes it's very important to remember. remember who you are and what you need to do to make things work. Um, so I've got one final question, and and I start with you as usual. What's one thing you would say to the woman coming up behind you?
3: So I think maybe the first thing, and this is um, maybe not about being a leader per se, but the first thing is get support. I think um, it's, you know, even if you're in a position of leadership, it's not about doing everything yourself, knowing everything, having all the answers. And we spoke about that quite a lot, how important it is to listen. Um, You mentioned, you know, reducing your ego vidette. It's It's not about um, this is what I want to do and I'm going to charge ahead no matter what. And I put my blinders on. And yes, you do need to have the grit and you need to be, like you said, a bit delusional about pursuing a goal. But that doesn't mean you ignore everything and anyone um, who has something valuable to say. Um, and the support is you need the support, but it also enables you at some point to give back support to others. And there is, you know, we're now in a very lucky position where there are many women, whether in our own corporate or organizational environment or outside of that, that we can network with, that we can learn from, that we can approach and ask for help and advice. Um, and you don't have to do it alone, and nobody does it alone. We never do. Um, nobody gets anywhere by themselves. Um, and you know, we also have uh, more and more Black women in, in leadership positions that we can look up to, that we can learn from. Um, or peers, it doesn't need to be somebody who's your superior or, you know, one or several levels up from you. So do get the support. um, And that doesn't necessarily have to be in an organization, you can get that outside of an organization as well. There's plenty of amazing projects out there that offer support that offer advice. Um, So definitely do that ask for help. Um, The second thing is, you don't have, like to a large extent, you, there's not a, a lot of natural born leaders. It's not that, you know, you get that in the cradle and you're either born with it or you're not. You acquire a lot of leadership skills and you don't have to have a position of authority. Um, and that magically turns you into an amazing leader. You actually have to acquire that and learn that and want to do that. And i'm thinking of a close friend of mine who was once asked in a job interview why he wanted to have the job because he was leaving a position with a lot of authority so he had you know official title and everything um to one that had less formal or official authority and they were saying like you know why why do you want to have this job it, because it seems like a step down um, and he was like because i want to lead by influence and not by authority and i thought This really, really sums up true leadership very, very well, because it's not about I'm in a position that means I'm a leader. It's I display the skills and the qualities that make me a leader, irrespective of the position that I'm in. So you can acquire that. And again, you can acquire that as well through support. And the last thing I'd like to mention is that you need to lead yourself first and foremost. Um, And that starts way earlier than you would expect or you would think. But if you don't lead yourself, how are you ever going to lead others or how are you ever going to inspire others to join you on a journey as peers or as, you know, mentors? Um, so I think that's really important. And in many cases I think people are already leading without even realize they're doing it. So to to your point, Chisholm about your eight-year-old son, I don't think he realizes that he's a leader and yet he is. And and I think that's pretty amazing. And that's where support or the people around you come in because they can, you know, hold up the mirror and show you, you know what? You're actually doing a lot of the stuff that you think you want to acquire. You're already displaying those traits. Right. So um, what about you, Chisholm? What would you say to the women coming behind you?
0: Um, first, um, I just want to say thanks for sharing that. So I felt like you were talking to me as well. So, <laughs> so thank you so much. I, especially with your point on ask for support, I think sometimes we don't hear that enough. But it's it's so critical to ask for support, and you know just because that also gives you the ability to last long enough to be able to offer support for someone else. So, thank you so much for sharing that point. That really resonates with me. Um, I think I would say two things. The first one is, I mean, maybe because I work in human resources, who knows, but I, I feel like just understanding yourself and just self-awareness. And there are many you know, tools and ways that you can get to doing this. But I really think that being able to know deep down who you are, what drives you, what motivates you, what what keeps you awake at night, what it is you would do for no money, what it is you don't want to do, you know, and and sometimes it sounds like really hard, like, oh, how do I know everything about myself? I, I think it's more learning yourself, but giving yourself that space to acknowledge that this is who I am, you know, and some people do it through journaling at the end of the day, some people do it through self-assessment tests, but I, I think in whatever way that you can, some people do it through asking friends and family and you know people who know them about themselves. I, I think I, I really would say, please invest the time to get to know yourself because at least for me, what I found was that there is a lot of consistency in the way that I react, the way that I'll um, approach things just because of the way that I am. And so just knowing that kind of helped me to better understand why I'm, I could approach something the way that I will or why I would react the way that I do. And then that helps me to better tailor or even in advance be able to to kind of complement my behavior just just by knowing that this is the way that 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 situation would play out so i would say invest in yourself know yourself because i think that also comes with because think about it when you know someone ultimately you can trust that person so i think knowing yourself helps you to trust yourself as well and believe in yourself and know that you know that like i said before you got this and 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 just because you know yourself even if you don't know 100 percent what the outcome would be you can trust that given what you know today, this is the best decision that you've made. And then you can also then leave with the outcome that comes as a result. So that would be the first thing that I would say. The second thing that I would leave um, everyone with is, and maybe for me this works, so this may not work for everyone, which is why I start with know yourself, right? But the second thing that works for me is, taking in as many opinions that i can when i have to make very critical decisions i really tap into my network my so network at work network outside work family friends i really ask for opinions i ask for opinions knowing that i'm not bound to take them so (laughs) they are just points of view but i have found that when i get in all that it really does help me with making a more holistic decision that really really dramatically impacts the outcome that i get i found that when i haven't invested as much time just getting all the points of view from the stakeholders that i i think are critical for that topic and then i jump to a decision sometimes eventually i find something that mm, probably could have um could have helped the the result that i'm trying to get at so so today when i do have very difficult um, decisions or situations that I'm in, I really do um, cast my net wide in terms of seeking out opinions, knowing for sure that I'm not bound to take them. And then I bring it right back to myself and then ask myself, you know, knowing all this, what is the best way that I want to approach it? So, so I would say, please don't be afraid to Ask questions, ask for opinions. Don't feel like you're bound to take them, but take, but learn and take all those points of view. That definitely helps you with the outcome as you make your decision. Vidette, um, I'd like to hear from you as well. What's the one thing that you would say? I know I haven't said one thing, but <laughs> what's the thing that you would say to women coming up here?
2: I've been loving everything that you and Anne have shared. One thing you said, ask for opinions knowing that you are not bound to take them. And I think that this is so critical because sometimes people think just because you've asked for the opinions, you're going to take it. No, I'm I'm doing user research, relax. <laughs> but I really, I think that that's an important thing to emphasize. Um, for me, the one thing I would say is that believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. <laughs> it's... It, it's so cliche and we always say it, believe in yourself. But oh my God, if we just believed in ourselves a little bit more, um, the things we would achieve, the things we would achieve. Um, and I think most people, most people think they have to be experts to get things done. No, you just have to have belief and be, be curious, be ready to like, you know, break things, smash things, build it back up and, and, and make it work. But if I had the belief, I have in myself now when I start some of the projects I was doing when I was in in, in my early days um, in, in, in employment oh my god so when I see young women I'm like it doesn't matter your age it doesn't matter it doesn't matter where you are in life everything that you want to do you can do it you just need to put your mind to it you need to have relentless focus and relentless resourcefulness um so yeah to keep it short my advice would be believe in yourself simple so yeah that's it i guess ladies thank you oh yeah no
0: i definitely will echo that thank you so much i learned so much just listening to you both and
3: under i can only echo that like it's been amazing talking to the two of you and hearing your thoughts and like like you said, Vidette, I was making notes as we went along thinking like, oh, yeah, I definitely have to remember that. Um, it's been so helpful.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode. Since this is the growth season, we want you to reflect and grow with each episode. So we've left some questions in the description curated to help you reflect on your leadership. We'd encourage you to dig deep and reflect on them throughout the week. Be sure to follow Chisholm, Vedette, Anne and BWP on our socials. And see you next time.